0: Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and today's episode is one part of an 11 part series that I'll be releasing between June 5th and June 7th called the Paradise Pack Sessions. So, if you're listening to this and you want more, there's plenty of other ones that just came out as well. So, what are the Paradise Pack Sessions? On June 3rd, I was lucky enough to co-host an incredible event that we called the Paradise Pack Livecast party. It was a six-hour live streaming video session that we broadcast on Google Hangouts and on YouTube, which some of you may have attended, in which I interviewed 11 of the world's foremost experts on travel, location independence, and lifestyle entrepreneurship. We had hundreds of people tune in from all over the world. Some of the contributors and people who got interviewed came from Armenia, from Australia, all over the US. And we not only got to pick the brains of these people, but we also got to ask them some of the questions that viewers submitted. And no, during that entire six-hour time that I was on there live streaming, I did not go to the bathroom. I don't know how I pulled that off but it worked. And we loved it so much. We had so much fun. And there was so much amazing content that we decided to pull out the audio, make it into a podcast series so that you could listen to it in case that you missed the actual event. So each and every one of these guests is a contributor to this year's Paradise Pack. And the combined value of the Paradise Pack is over $2,000. We have gotten people to put in the best resources around the world that are going to help you live, travel, and work anywhere in the world. So if you haven't got your paradise pack yet, the sale ends on Sunday, June 7th at 1159 PM Pacific time. And once it's gone, It is gone forever. You will never get the chance to get this Paradise Pack again. So please, if you're listening to this while driving or you're at the gym or you're doing something where you can't purchase it right away, make sure to quickly stop right now, set an alarm to remind yourself. I don't want anyone who is interested to miss out on this incredible group of resources. I am very proud of this. I'm proud to say that this is one of the best things that I've ever helped create. But once the clock strikes midnight on June 7th, it is gone. So again, set an alarm on your phone, or if you can, head to theparadisepack.com right now. Check it out. Pick up your copy. All right. Enjoy the show.
1: Guys, we're going hey, to... Hey, Tim. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you guys doing? We're great,
0: man. We are doing fantastic. We are now... I don't even know what number we're on right now, but Let's
2: we've see, been... We... Uh, we started at 11 Eastern. Nice. So, it's been an, it's been so fun and we've really been looking forward to talking to you because we haven't actually had the pleasure of having a face-to-face yet and
1: uh, one of yeah, these days we'll meet in person hopefully.
2: I hope so. I hope so. Uh, we're really excited to have you uh in the Paradise Pack and just uh, as we said with Jess, you want to extend a, a warm welcome and thank you to you as well and we're really grateful that uh that you chose to, to participate in this project because you are an award-winning writer and you've been doing this for a very long time. Uh, you, you highly respect your work. And um, and we want to dive in a little bit, I think, on the topic of, of living overseas, which is what you have uh, going on. It could be another country. It doesn't necessarily have to be over an ocean. But um, this is a very unique uh, strategy, I think. And as we've talked about throughout this live cast, just incorporating all of these different things and different ways that you can travel the world and live a certain lifestyle if you want to call it lifestyle design or whatever. And, and these might be things you're implementing in two weeks or two months or maybe two years down the road. But I think it's really good to have the knowledge. Uh, and you have an interesting story. So we were going through your book. And I just kind of wanted to see if you could share a little bit about how you ended up where you are right now.
1: <laughs> sure. I think I'm the first person to log in from Mexico. So uh, yeah. put that on your list. Um, I live in Guanajuato, Mexico, which is up in the highlands at about 6000 feet. So it's really nice weather all year and sunny and beautiful. And uh I would turn my laptop around here and show my view, but I don't want to mess with the, the uh, technology here. I think uh, I'm going to keep it simple. Um, I did want to point out before I forget, following up on what Jesse was just talking about, um, this is a real book, A Better Life for Half the Price that's included in the Paradise Pack. I think, I mean, it's an ebook in there, but I think a lot of times people see ebook and they think it's going to be some like 29-page PDF for $39 or something. But no, this is uh, an actual book you can buy on Amazon if you want. It's about 300 some pages. So there's a lot of detail in there. Um My story is, though, I went. I used to work in the music business in New York, and that's where I met my wife. And we went backpacking around the world for three years. We chucked our old jobs and took off. And so I've lived that nomadic life um, in the past. Uh, We taught English in Turkey and Korea and really liked that experience of living abroad. And so uh, we had a kid and had to settle down for a while when she was a baby and not travel as much. But we got her a passport when she was three. And um, while I was holed up in my house, I wrote um, a book that's now in its fourth edition that's called The World's Cheapest Destinations. And that's kind of a perennial bestseller because, you know, every month people are taking off around the world for, uh, you know, on a shoestring, trying to do as much as they can, cover as much ground as they can. And that's kind of a guide to where uh, where your money will go the furthest, um, where you can actually get the most for your money. And so I uh, started working as a travel writer when we were backpacking and just did it part time for a really long time. And then when the internet came along and blogging started is when I really saw the potential to kind of quit the cubicle scene and quit the day job and actually just go make it on my own. And um, for the past uh, nine or 10 years, I've been doing that and supporting the family and um, living wherever I want.
0: Yeah, and I love the title of the book because it's um, it just hits home exactly what you want to say. Jesse was talking about titles and you know the ways you could do it a better life for half the price. So let's dive into that a little bit because what you're you know you're coming to us from Mexico. You could live anywhere in the world as you mentioned, but you chose Mexico for some specific reasons, and you talk about that a little bit in the book. Can you can you give people an idea of of why you're in Mexico and and what? they can find about out about in that better um better life for half the price
2: looks like we're experiencing our first technical glitch here uh, and i'm not sure tim if you can hear us um might be a slow connection on your end I don't know. Could be on our end too. But we were down in Mexico pretty recently and, you know, not the best internet all the time, but definitely the best tacos. <laughs> definitely the
0: best tacos. We're going to bring Tim back on. Um, Tim, if you can't hear us, maybe just uh, hit that link and come back on. Guys, um, we've been talking a lot and we're, we're as you said, Tim's going to come on. We've got. Um, Sherry Ott's coming on, Natalie Sisson, Sean Keener, and then Kaz, um, all the way from Australia. We've been talking a lot of, about the Paradise Pack. Obviously, that's where we're having this chat, why we're all here, why we've been able to bring on these experts who have come on. Every single person who has come on has something in the Paradise Pack. So I just want to reiterate, because we've been getting a ton of questions in here um, you know, about the free bonuses and what are you guys offering and this and that. So just to be really, really clear... If you purchase the Paradise Pack right now during this live chat, you are going to get two bonuses. One of them is going to be Adam Sepper, who was on earlier today. It's going to be his Around the World um, Airfare ticket book, which basically dives in and tells you all about how you can buy around the world tickets and everything like that. And you're also, um, you're also going to be talking or you're also going to get Emily Utter's Adventurous Entrepreneur Series. So that is interviews with 25 entrepreneurs. Uh, Jesse Krieger's part of it. I'm part of it. Some Sean Ogle, who's been on here, is part of it. But it dives deeper because she interviews people for an hour and really kind of digs in deep about the trials, tribulations, strategies, highs, lows of being an entrepreneur, of living on the road, things like that. Um, so those two bonuses, if you get it now, uh, you will get those two bonuses as well as everything else we've talked about, all for the same price.
2: Yeah. I had a couple questions for you because uh, while we wait for Tim to get back on here, uh... Speaking of a cheaper, uh, a better life for half the price, you actually spent some time in Thailand. And I wanted to kind of get on this topic of spending, whether it's a large chunk of time, like Tim's living in Mexico right now. You have lived in places and rented places around the world for a month, two months here or there. I uh, just wanted you to share your experience uh, recently in in Chiang Mai, which is kind of a digital nomad hotspot. And uh, how how would that compare, expenses wise, and just kind of break it down
0: for us? Yeah, we're talking about a better life for half the price in <laughs> Thailand. I mean, if you if you live there, the the title would probably be a better life for maybe a quarter of the price, <laughs> maybe a a sixth of the price. On um, a lot of what we've been talking about, of you know being able to build this business and things like that we were spending quite a bit of time in southeast asia one of the reasons was because we wanted to be able to live like a king and do what we wanted on a budget that was much smaller than we could have done it in the us so you know in thailand specifically you can rent an apartment a really nice apartment or house if you're going monthly for 400 500 bucks a month that's getting to the high end meals a dollar 2 dollars 3 dollars um you can rent motorbikes for 80 a month, so just everything really gets cheaper when you are living in some of these these hotspots. Southeast Asia is a big one. Sean Ogle talked about Bali um, in Indonesia, Thailand is a huge one, Bangkok and Chiang Mai. And what's really cool about living in some of these areas, if this is what you want to do, is you then do meet a ton of other people doing it. So you're, you're on the road, you're living somewhere new, but you have that, you have those people who come and have been living there. Maybe they're expats, maybe they're passing through too. So you have a built-in community when you hit some of these digital nomad mm. location, independent hotspots, and it you can live like a king. $4,000 tw- or $1,200 a month, whereas you know if you live that same way in the US, you're looking at spending three, four grand. And I, if Heather's looking- living like a queen. You're living like a king. Right. Exactly. It uh, looks
2: like, Tim, do we have you back here? I, I see you're in the call. Uh, I'm not sure if... Uh, it doesn't look like you're muted, but uh, we do not have audio for you on our end,
0: unfortunately. Um,
2: let's see here.
0: Yeah, so if you guys are listening and if you do have questions, again put them in the chat. We're getting some really, really great questions in here um that I that I really want to ask Tim about. Um stuff like health insurance and kind of like logistical things of living abroad, which is always the thing you don't want to think about. And then you a necessary evil. A, right? a, a necessary yeah. evil for sure. Uh,
2: Tim, if you can hear us, maybe you want to pop out of the chat and then try re entering again. Uh, unfortunately, I apologize to to you if you're watching or listening. Um, are having a little bit of technical difficulties uh, with with the internet, maybe down in Mexico. So uh, Tim's going to just try to pop in and enjoy us. He didn't even want to move his computer to the side. I, I I've know. been there before. The internet can be so. Uh... Oh, there he is.
1: Hey guys. So. Okay. Hey. This is probably a good time to talk about how the internet in Mexico is not the reason you want to move here. Uh,
2: (laughs) We were just talking about it. Although I bet it's good for writing because... Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you
1: get cut off and you got to get something done. So you're forced to go offline. (laughs) Um, Well, I would like to say the bigger the city here, the better it is. And I'm in kind of a medium-sized city. So it sucks sometimes.
2: Sure, sure. Well, we were getting some amazing questions rolling in. So we wanted to see if we could... uh, Kind of pepper you with some of that. Sure,
1: fire away.
0: Yeah, one of the ones that a lot of people are asking is about things like health insurance. The, the lo- well, we just knocked our computer. The logistical part of living abroad, because uh, you know it's great for the price and stuff like that. But what about some of the logistical stuff? Have you run into roadblocks, and how have you kind of gotten through them? Specifically, the question was about health insurance, but I know there's a lot of other things, like even getting phones and things like that.
1: Yeah. Well, if you're American, health insurance is one of the biggest reasons to move out of the country because, uh, we have a very dysfunctional for-profit system in the U S, which is very unusual in the rest of the world. So healthcare costs are a fraction of what they are in the United States, almost anywhere you're going to go. And in a lot of cases, the care is just as good or not better. You'll usually have more people waiting on you and the facilities will be better and not as crowded. So we have like a catastrophic healthcare policy for the whole family which i think is about three grand a year and that will cover us if i get hit by a bus or in a plane crash or something but otherwise we just pay out of pocket because it's it's like forty dollars to go to the dentist it's like the we go to a dermatologist who speaks english who's the best in the region and she's maybe fifty dollars and so we just pay for everything out of pocket and um prescription medicines are you know Sometimes on par with the U.S., but everything else is cheaper. And I think that's true almost anywhere you go in the world. Where you do have a little bit of a problem is if you're in somewhere like Cambodia um, or Nicaragua. You know, if you're out in the hinterlands in those countries, you're not going to have the best health care. So you might want to pay for one of those uh, medical evacuation (laughs) insurance policies so you can get to a good hospital. A lot of people in in, uh, Cambodia will literally fly over to Bangkok for medical care because Thailand has great medical care.
2: Yeah. Uh, You mentioned the catastrophic policy. Is that US-based? And do you have any recommendations for people?
1: No, it's based in um, Europe. And I can't even remember the name of the company. Let me see if it's on my card. It's something really generic. Um, Yeah, it's called like healthcare International, which is, I don't know if that's going to get you anything if you look it up. But you can also get a travel policy through World Nomads or somebody like that, um, you know, just to cover the basics if something goes wrong. I mean, what you really need to worry about is emergencies. But um, like I put in the book, there is this one guy interviewed in Nicaragua and he said, my health care policy is my credit card because he knows that no matter what happens to him, he's going to not hit his credit limit on his card. Yeah, Tim talk about
0: like why you decided to be in Mexico cuz what before we got cut off we were kind of saying you can live anywhere, you're location independent, you've made it work, but why did you decide to live in Mexico versus like, you know, the US or somewhere similar?
1: Yeah, I and mean- <laughs> I also encourage people not to just focus on the country, but also the place within the country. I mean, I don't know if I'd want to live in, you know, Guadalajara, but um, this town I'm in, Guanajuato, is really very pedestrian-friendly city. Most of the traffic goes through these tunnels that are built in the mountains. So, Almost the whole historic center is pedestrian only. And I really like that. And I really like the weather. But I also just like, you know, Mexican food and Mexican culture. So that's what drew me to here. And we did do a trial run. We came here for a month. Um, My whole family one summer and took spanish lessons and just kind of tried it out and that's something else i encourage everybody to do i mean if you're around the world traveler you're probably doing this in your head anyway without thinking about it going hmm could i live here (laughs) maybe maybe not so you kind of know the places that are gonna be places that make you happy and you know which ones are not and some of those are checklist things but i say in in the book some of them are heart things you can't really know until you get there whether you're gonna love it or not
2: yeah i like the idea of uh doing a trial run, you know, I guess it's a way to get your feet wet in a place and see if it's some place you're really going to enjoy. And I think you're coming at it from a unique perspective because you you have uh, a very successful book that covers so much of the world, if not all of it. So you really you're very knowledgeable about this. So picking and choosing places to live is just really interesting. Uh, it says a lot, to I think, about the town you're in. And now I definitely want to go visit.
1: <laughs> I do want to say too, my daughter's 14. And yeah. so um, once she goes off to college or whatever she does after, we'll probably bounce around a lot more. We'll still use this as a base because we own this house, but we'll probably spend three months here, six months there, that kind of thing.
0: One of the questions, speaking of your daughter, that we got asked in the beginning when Adam came on back at uh, 1130 Eastern was about traveling with family. And we, we kind of teased it out and said, we've got people coming on who have uh, traveled with families. You actually were responding to some people in the chat. How, has that, how have you been able to do it? And what has it been like for your children growing up in a different culture? Because I think a lot of times we look at it from
1: our perspective, like,
0: yeah, I'm the parent. Here's how I'm going to do it. What about from their perspective?
1: Well, she wasn't thrilled about the move when we (laughs) broke the news to her. That's for sure. Uh, But she adapted really quickly and made friends really easily. And I think uh, for some kids, it's, it's a tough transition. But I think for most children, you know, they're going to make new friends and get along and and eventually learn the language. I mean, I think one thing parents do kind of underestimate is how long it will take that child to get fluent. It's not like you can just throw them into school and a month later, they're going to be fine. Um, you really do need to get them some lessons and, you know, at least get them a grounding before they get into school. Or, you know, there are American um international schools, there are baccalaureate schools, there are, you know, private schools out there that, where the instruction is bilingual or in English. Um it's more common in Asia than Latin America, just because, um, you know, Spanish is more, useful than Vietnamese, for instance. So, um, a lot of international schools will be in English in Asia just because, uh, of the language issue. But, you know, even in, if you come to Mexico City or Buenos Aires or, um, you know, any big city in Latin America, there will be a lot of options like that. But I feel like children adjust much more easily than their parents do a lot of times because they don't have so many routines. They're not so many, they're not set in their ways as much.
2: Yeah. What I liked about the beginning of your book is, uh, is you you just tell the story about you were back in the States and it was sort of that time when you were transitioning or you were considering transitioning back and how much your expenses got cut down. Um, Do you want to share a little bit about two things? I guess, first, just give us an idea of of which costs are really dramatically helping you live sort of this uh, better lifestyle. And then secondly, what was that decision like? I mean, what was that transition like just Deciding to go back and take everybody on the road because that's a that's a bit of a tough thing. I'm, you know, you said you spent like a month there first. uh Was that like you spent a month and came back, or yes? Yeah, okay.
1: Uh, so, yeah, the the move was something my wife and I both wanted to do for a really long time. And we were sort of chomping at the bit, just waiting for the opportunity to make it happen. Um, and then but for my daughter, it was kind of traumatic because she'd grown up in the same place all her life, which was Nashville, Tennessee at the time. And we kind of sold our house and pulled her out of everything she knew and moved to Mexico. So that was kind of tough for her. But again, like I said, you know, kids adapt pretty quickly. And so she... She uh, got into the groove and it didn't take too long. But um, we've actually lived down here twice. The first time was for a year. And then we went back to Tampa, uh, Florida, and then we came back here this time for two years. And um, what really changed in terms of the cost, first we were renting and we had a place here that was about the same as we had in the U.S., and we were paying eight hundred a month with all utilities included, and that was four bedrooms and two baths. Mm-hmm. And now we own a place that we bought for eighty-five thousand dollars and did not have to do much work to it. But most of my money now has been going into renovations and furniture and things like that because it was completely empty when we moved in—no refrigerator, or stove, even all that stuff. So we've probably spent about the same on a monthly basis uh, owning this place, but. Um, the other dramatic differences are healthcare, which we talked about. Um, groceries, we probably spend about a third what we did in the U.S. Um, a lot of that is because uh, fresh fruit and vegetables are next to nothing here, and they're very fresh and a lot of times organic without even being labeled that way. Mm-hmm. And um, so we eat really well. And and restaurant meals are half or less. Uh, so I call the book a better life for half the price because for most of those countries in there, if you're going from a city to a city or rural area to a rural area, your prices, your costs are roughly gonna drop in half if you maintain the same lifestyle.
2: Hmm, which is always nice. I mean you can still afford to go out to eat and do different things. Actually even more so probably. Yeah. Uh,
1: and a taxi across town is these days less than three dollars. I would like to mention that because uh you know you can you know what a taxi costs in a big city.
2: Sure. Yeah I wanted to ask you what some of the more difficult things are. I imagine there are some things you miss being out of the United States, your home country. Uh, you know, we're all about you know sharing everything when it comes to the Paradise Pack and what's what's involved with this lifestyle. And it's not always peachy. I'm sure there's difficult things. Is there anything that you miss specifically about being in the states?
1: Yeah, a few things. And I would like to say that I try to put the pros and cons for every location in this book. Um, you know, international living and groups like that really get criticized for making everything sound rosy and they don't talk much about the downsides. And there are downsides. Um, The main difference when you leave the U.S. is you're not going to have near as much selection in the stores. You know, we are used to having everything we want anytime we want. Um, That kind of goes away. And we also have some of the cheapest prices in the world, especially for electronics and clothing. Um, And that's sort of because we have a basically a free trade deal with China, whereas most of the world does not. And so, um, anything that's made in China is going to cost you more when you get outside the U S unless you're in Hong Kong or China itself, maybe. But, um, so you you are going to pay more for electronics. You're not going to have as much selection. You're not going to have as much convenience. And then I think we talked about Internet already. That's um, you know definitely I'm, I'm going to love it when I go back to the U.S. and have that fiber to the home again because that's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Um, but otherwise, you know, we're just used to convenience and used to everything happening pretty logically and quickly. And um, when you move to another part of the world, you can't always depend on that. People don't have the same sense of time. They're not in such a rush. They're not workaholics, and I, I really love that. But um, if you're getting your house done, you know, you might not might not <laughs> happen as quickly as you want it to.
0: Yeah, that that's a good point. I think we, we talked about travel a little bit earlier and how you it forces you to kind of relax because you don't know what's going on half the time in other countries. Um, yeah. We've gotten some really great questions in here. Um, some people are asking about like you working in Mexico, and I just. Uh, we kind of touched on that, but you're working for yourself, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, if you want to get into a little bit about what your work life is like and if it's any easier or any harder in Mexico, and then also we want to touch on the safety because people are asking about living abroad, and I'm sure that's one of the things that we, you touch about in the book, but that's an important thing for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. So I have a laptop job. So my life does not change very much when I live in another place. I have a home office with a different view. And, uh, otherwise, uh, apart from it taking a little longer to upload a video and things like that, it's, it's basically the same. I work similar hours and, uh, you know, instead of taking a walk uh, by the water in Tampa. I'm taking a walk through a 16th century city instead. So um, my routine doesn't change a whole lot. Um, I don't have to have a work permit here because all my money is coming through the United States bank account. Um, If you do want to work in another country as an English teacher or, um, you know, scuba driver and dive instructor or something like that you normally will have to get sponsored by someone and get some kind of work permit or if you work for an international company they'll usually take care of that for you but if you're a lifestyle entrepreneur you're pretty much just like a tourist and they're usually happy to have you because you're not taking anything out of the system you're adding into the system um you're actually spending more than you're taking out so they they like that arrangement um in mexico you can actually stay for six months on a tourist visa which is quite generous there are not many countries that will give you that long um peru does and a few others but that means that you can come here and work for six months you know take a vacation in costa rica and or guatemala or something and then come back and start all over again and you know just flap flap in the immigration line and you're back in business again um i am legal here now i got residency because um it was just easier for a lot of reasons but you can just coast by on a tourist visa Um, As far as safety, um, the U.S. State Department has gotten really good um, the past two years or so with their, um, their description of Mexico and their travel warnings, and it's very detailed now. It goes state by state and even tells you within that state which places are dicey and which are not. So, um, the state I'm in Guanajuato is one of those that says nothing to report, which doesn't mean there's no crime, but it means, you know, as a tourist, you really don't have anything to worry about. Um, a lot of others like that are the Yucatan, Los Cabos, um, you know, that area, basically all the beach resort areas are pretty much fine. Um, there are parts within Mexico that are away from the borders, but in general, um, most of the violence you hear about is near the borders or in some area that where the cartels really have control of things. And those are pretty clear. If you, if you talk to someone who lives in Mexico for five minutes, they'll tell you where to go and not to go. But um, it's something people worry about really more than they should, because if they looked at the crime rate in the United States and compared it to the rest of the world, um, it's pretty scary. I mean, you know, Washington DC has triple the crime of Mexico city and, you know, new Orleans is, you got to go to like Ciudad Juarez to find a place that has as many homicides as New Orleans does. So, you know, it's it's not as bad in comparison um, to the United States as most people think. If you're coming from Canada or the, or the UK, OK, maybe it's a dramatic difference. But uh, we've got a lot more handguns in the U.S. and a lot more hands. And so there's a lot more gun violence in the States.
2: Yeah. And I, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, we appreciated somebody commented here. I think it was D Gibney that uh, there are some people from around the world watching this. So I think when we're talking about a better life for half the price, we're kind of saying uh, what the Western countries, Western society taking yourself yes. out of that situation and going to uh, a place like Mexico or maybe Southeast Asia or some of these more affordable places, which you can, of course, read about on the Cheapest Destinations blog, which is uh, an incredible resource. And that's that's Tim's site there. Uh, we have some more questions? Uh, uh, we've
0: just got some people commenting, saying thanks, Tim. And, and for the health insurance stuff, you really cleared a lot of stuff up for that. So that's really great. I wanted to, since you are the cheapest destinations guy, and I've been seeing that site for, for years now, even before I was traveling, um, what are some destinations that you would recommend for people? Let's start with just traveling, but then also dive into if people wanted to become location independent and they wanted to work from somewhere.
1: Yeah. So, a lot of the cheapest places to travel are, you know, the cheapest places to live naturally just because the population is not making as much money. So, that kind of, you know, brings the cost down for everything. So, I mean, if you wanted to go to the absolute cheapest places in the world to live, um, those would be places like India and Nepal, um, Indonesia, Cambodia, Nicaragua, and this part of the world. Um, but, you know, it varies a lot from city to city within those places. And, you know, I know one of your um, guests earlier was talking about Bali, which is a great place to live. But if you went to Sumatra instead in Indonesia, then that would be half of what Bali is, (laughs) you know, because just because there's not as many tourists there. So it does vary a lot within a country, even an expensive country, you know, rural France is a lot cheaper than Paris. And so um, it kind of goes down the line, but I I do want to point out to people that you don't have to go to some, you know, third world poverty stricken place to get a, A cheaper life i mean portugal is very cheap right now greece is you know quite reasonable um you know there are places in eastern europe that are really nice i mean i would gladly go live in hungary you know in budapest and that's a very inexpensive place to live and um argentina is a great deal right now if you're coming in with dollars because um they're having another financial crisis and so if you've got um, us dollars or euros you can live extremely well there right now
2: Yeah. And as a writer, I mean, I would imagine one of the huge benefits is just, I guess, not having to work so hard to pay your bills. You know, you have free time to do a creative uh, endeavor. Uh, You you are an award-winning writer. So I did want to ask you, uh, how do you recommend somebody that has a a dream or a vision to uh, write a book or publish a book? And there's so many ways to do it now. Um, do you have some tips or advice for somebody that's like really keen on either travel writing or just becoming an author and, and kind of pursuing a career in that direction? Cause that is something that's a creative and B you can take anywhere. And I think it fulfills a lot of, uh, dreams. Cause I think most people have a dream of writing a book someday, but then you get this block of, Oh, I'm not a writer. You know, it's, I just <laughs> wonder if you could share some of your experience, uh, you know, when you started out and kind of reflecting back on all the work you've done, uh, what kind of advice you'd, you'd give.
1: Sure. I do have this book out called I keep plugging my books here. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, awesome. Travel writing 2.0, but, um, I don't necessarily think travel writing is the best path if you want to make money. Honestly, people do it because it's fun and it's enjoyable and it has great perks. But um, there are certainly uh, other fields you could go into that are much more lucrative, even as a writer, if you write about business or technology or something. But um back to the book, I mean, Jesse touched on this earlier. It's a huge undertaking. It's a major project. And I've done... I think six books for myself now, and I've ghost written some for other people. And it's, you know, it's like a slogging away, you know, 100 hours, 200 hours thing. So, I mean, you got to be just be aware of that. It's not like popping up a blog post and then you're done. I mean, you've got to do a draft and then revise that draft and then get somebody else to read it and revise it again. But I mean, I think the hardest part is just sitting down and getting the work done, you know, just the grinding it out and getting the words on the page. And, you know, um, there's this tool called Scrivener that, uh, is really, I like a lot because it's, um, a lot of, a lot of fiction authors use it, but it's good for, um, Nonfiction, too. It keeps a word count the entire time you're writing without you having to be um, in one long Word document. So you can make each chapter a different tab, and it's kind of good because you can move the tabs around, you know, change the chapter order and whatever. But it tells you at all times, you know, how close you are to your goal of, you know, I want to get to 100,000 words and I'm like at 60%. So um, I, I'd recommend that as a tool. But otherwise, you know, just got to get your butt in the seat and start knocking it out. <laughs> I love do, you, that. do
0: you do anything specifically? Like, do you set a certain amount of time apart? Do you do it? Do you find you write better in the morning in the night? Is there like a, a workflow that you've gotten into that, you know, helps you actually get past that writer's block or get past that? Oh, I don't have inspiration. I'm not going to write now type feeling.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a great book called the war of art. And, uh, he wrote another one called do the work, Stephen Pressfield. And, uh, the point he keeps making in there is don't wait for the muse to strike. So Mm -hmm. yes, have a definite time every day or every week, at least that you're going to write. And if you have a full-time job, then yeah, do it at night, do it on the weekend or whatever. Um, yeah, for me, I usually block out certain amounts of time when there's no Wi-Fi, no distractions, no buzzing phone and get to it. Um, but back to what you were talking about earlier with Jesse about validating the idea. I mean, that's the first part of it. Um, you should know before you even sit down what this book's going to be about chapter by chapter. And you should know that from, you know, surveys or for market research or going onto message boards or whatever. You should know what your reader's pain points are and what, problem you're trying to solve. And I feel like after you have that information, the book kind of writes itself. You know, you're just filling in the details. It's, it's that easy, right? It writes itself. <laughs> so we're telling
0: everyone, just get the details. Yeah, just, uh, good.
1: But no, honestly, I mean, use index cards or use a notepad or whatever and just outline it, you know, like you learned in high school. And, you know, if if you find out your your potential Clients have these fourteen problems, then there's your fourteen chapters, you know, and so just figure out the way a way to flesh that out. And I'm not trying to belittle the writing process. I mean, I have won some awards, and I think I'm a good writer, but I don't think it's rocket science either. It's just a matter of um, you know making it interesting and keeping it flowing and um, making it something people are going to actually want to get to the end of.
2: And I agree with you. If if you need a kick in the butt, I've uh, listened to both of Stephen Pressfield's books. And it's always a good uh, reminder that, yeah, you don't wait for creativity to strike. You need to sit down and do the work. I guess that's where the title comes from. But uh, we will argue that you are a fantastic writer. And we we just want to say, you know, we do really, truly appreciate you uh, being a part of the Paradise Pack. Um, Just bringing in this this strategy of uh, maybe relocating or considering it, even if it's for a short time period. And obviously packed with information. Your book is on on everything that has to do with relocating overseas or to another country. Um and I just think it's it's another again, a great tool that you can have in your arsenal of uh different ways to travel the world.
0: Yeah, and Tim has been very, very generous to put not just the ebook, as we mentioned before, it is a it's a physical book, so don't think you're getting a PDF. You're getting a three hundred page awesome guide, but not only the guide, but all but your committed package, which is the, the next step up from just a guide. So if you just want to tell people a little bit about what they'll get, because they're getting the awesome book, but then you've actually put on some extra stuff as well.
1: Yes, yeah, so a lot of times people read a book and then they have you know a whole lot of questions <laughs> that the book has raised. And so um, with the committed package, I had this group of people that uh, we, are, we have a private Facebook group together. Um, they can ask me a question anytime and I'm going to answer it in there. Um, or they can jot me an email and I'll answer it. Um, and so basically, um, this is another level of, of handholding and support. And then if people want to, um, you know, uh, they get an, an email newsletter from me, that's a little more detailed and, and has some links to more resources that I've come across that I think are useful. And it's basically just, um, a higher level of communication for people that have questions and maybe need a little more guidance as they go along. Yeah, and that was really
0: generous. And that's kind of, that's what we're aiming to provide here with the Paradise Pack is not just the resources. Um they're great, but you're getting so many of them and a lot of people have put, you know, you can be part of their communities. Uh even Sean Ogle this morning said, you know, feel free to send me an email. So we're really trying to not just provide you with these resources and then say, go do this, but actually a whole structure that makes sure you then actually go and do the stuff that people are talking about. So Tim, thank you so much. We really appreciate
1: it. Uh, thanks for having me on. And I'm looking forward. I haven't plowed through uh, the, the other stuff in the paradise pack yet, but after this week I will. And I'm excited about some of those things in there because there are areas that I don't know a whole lot about. Like uh, uh, I'm going to be renting out my house through Airbnb at some point. So I want to <laughs> get that knowledge. Yeah. I love Christine Gilbert, and she actually contributed a special report um, in my package that everybody's getting. And uh, I'm, I'm, even though I've been a blogger for a while, I know I can learn something from her uh, blog brilliantly course.
2: Great. Well, yeah. We, yeah, we're, we really appreciate you, and we look forward to staying in touch with you, Tim.
1: Thanks. And uh, I see Sherry there, so uh, I'm going <laughs> to blog off here. Hi, how are you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Tim. If you like this show, guys, and you want more Paradise Pack sessions, don't forget there's 10 more of those where this came from. So you can get them on iTunes, you can get them on Stitcher, however you're listening to this. You can find the other Paradise Pack session episodes. Listen to me and Jason get to interview and ask questions of some of the world's foremost experts all of these people are contributors to this year's Paradise Pack. So if you haven't yet and you want to pick up your very own Paradise Pack, head to www.theparadisepack.com. And again, if you're listening on a phone and you're doing something where you can't go online right now, make sure to set an alarm because June 7th at 1159 p.m. Pacific time, the sale will end and you'll never be able to get it again. Thank you guys for tuning in today. Thank you for all the support for making us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. And as always, happy free travels.